Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion. This is my little music industry podcast where I talk to a whole bunch of individuals about their time in the music industry, about how they've got to where they are, motivations, etc., etc. This week, we're talking the PRS, and we're talking PRS with Claire Rose. Claire is the outreach manager for the Southwest region for PRS. She, like me, is also based in Bristol. And so she works with a lot of local acts to where I am based. And it was a really interesting chat about her career, how she's learnt how the PRS works and what songwriters, music publishers should be doing at this very uncertain time for performing royalties whilst there is currently at time of recording very little to no live industry um, in the UK and beyond so really really interesting time to have this conversation we talked about the PRS we talked about music in the southwest as well and a whole host of other bits and pieces in between so here is my conversation Claire Rose of the PRS. How is the PRS in lockdown? So busy. Like, I thought that it was going to be really quiet. I didn't think that people would i thought that we'd see like a total drop off in people joining um it's just been absolutely mental honestly i i don't think i've ever known so many people to join in a, in a, in a space of time which really shocked me um we obviously it was quite a lot of um confusion and a lot of panic at the start because mainly due to the life sector because it's down and that's quite a big chunk of our you know royalty income yeah. and a, a big chunk for our members as well so there was a kind of period where where we ourselves personally were like what on earth is going on <laughs> there was a period then at the same time it's like what on earth is going on like at, at, like job wise like at, yeah, yeah okay. prs and sort of thing but i think we all sort of instantly instincts kicked in it was that fight or flight mode it was like right what what can we do what what do we need to do so to help our members and protect our members during you know the crazy year that we've had um we've, we've done loads of stuff since we you know we've got our we had our emergency relief fund which went really well and managed to help members out in in need and stuff like that we did um uh, a lockdown special, uh, 24-hour gig, which raised money for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my team have been, I've never been so busy in my life, um, trying to reassure members, um, trying to be there as much as I can. I've even looked into unclaimed royalties for members that I have a good relationship with, just trying to see if like there's something like, you know, we could pass out. But We've managed it really well, I yeah. think. I think that we just instant, those instincts kicked in and we were like, we, we need to do something and we can't wait. A week, a week is too wait, long to wait. So yeah. We've got to do something now. What, what can we do? And, you know, it was great. And it was, you know, it wasn't just difficult on a professional level, but on a personal level as well. You're trying to understand what the hell is going on in the world and deal with your own problems of not seeing people. And then the other side, um, dealing with the amount of, you know, stress from work, but actually seeing everyone come together and kind of, you had your Zoom quizzes. I don't ever want to do another Zoom quiz in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, I just realized how actual thick I am. Like, um, yeah, we did the Zoom quizzes and everyone, you know, pulled together and even, um, people with the emergency relief fund were saying every week we have a Q&A with our CEO we're sort of saying can we donate part of our salary into the emergency relief fund and I think we donated just under 40,000 to it which was great so 
it's been a weird, busy, wonderfully weird, I should add, in a weird way, <laughs> uh, year. But yeah. I think, I don't know, I think it's kind of really, yeah. I think it's been great. It has been a really good year. It's just been really busy. And I think I think now there's good news. Like everyone's feeling a little bit more positive. okay. Yeah. A little bit more positive as time goes <clears> on <throat> now. And, you know, stuff like that. And I've actually been to a few gigs which myself. <laughs> I actually managed to catch a gig the day before second lockdown. I was so happy. Nice. <clears throat> a nice socially distant Yes, yeah. I, yeah. I love the sound of socially distant gigs from someone who's who I, throughout my teenage years and early 20s was on the barrier in the thick of the mosh pit kind of thing at gigs. And then I gradually moved further and further backwards. And <clears throat> I have to admit, the last few shows I went to, I think you know, my personal love of being in the audience was starting to wane because for you know for w w whatever reason you know that's my things but then so i'm quite i, I like ev everything about a socially distanced gig is just like sounds like heaven i am i realized how old i was like i was exactly <laughs> the same as you and i was like i love getting in mosh pits you know all that kind of stuff and you know what it's so wonderful First of all, I'm four foot eleven, so I can finally see what's going on on stage in a socially distant gig because everyone sat down. It is wonderful for me. Secondly, I don't have to move from my lovely spot in front of the stage to go and get another beer. I can. <laughs> um, someone will come and bring me one. But it's just wonderful. That sounds really spoiled. No, no, but, but it's 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 such a weird way. I mean, one of the things. Yeah. One of the things I, where I wanted to go with this is I, I, I've been desperately trying to to not dwell on the COVID stuff when I've been talking to people during lockdowns and things yeah. like that because it's it dates the conversation and one yeah. of the things that I was I'm <coughs> excuse me I'm really keen on doing is is talking about something that is it's not time specific. Mm. It's something that you could listen to as soon as it's out or you could listen to it in three years time and it kind of have the same it would resonate in the same way uh, and so i guess i'm interested from your perspective and from the conversations you've been having with colleagues and also songwriters is what impact is the last eight months this last year gonna have long term when you know let's let's look at things positively and let's say we're back to normal what's going to have changed from the prs's perspective because it's it's going to be different forever yeah. our relationship with everything from a creative industry's perspective is is, is going to be but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing no 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 not not at all i think as rubbish as the situation is with COVID and this whole pandemic thing, there has been so many positives that have come out of it. Um, people's perspectives on, on life and what they actually need has, has completely changed. I think, yes, things will definitely change at PRS. I think, do you know what, from a creator side, from a songwriter side, a creator side, DJ, composer, I think people have got had to be really creative with their music yeah. and how it's getting out there but mainly because of live because there is there's just no income coming out of that at the moment you know so and i think people have really i think backed all those kind of quite a lot of the time and more emerging artists you know the smaller kind of like indie labels especially like and sort of independent artists and stuff like that. People have really backed them and you know, like Bandcamp waving their fees on a Friday is wonderful. I think I'm hoping, this is me on a personal level, that the world of streaming will be looked at. I hope that there may be a change in virtual gigs because obviously people are doing a pay to view virtual live gig 
Yep. And I'm hoping that royalties potentially will change from that because at the moment there there isn't any. You can't submit a live performance for doing a live performance virtual gig. So I'm kind of really hoping that will flip around. Um, I think people will get more creative in the way that they release music, how they use socials as well. Um, I think we'll see more collaborators and I think I think PRS will come out of lockdown in a really positive light from what we've done to support our members and things like that. But yeah, I think there'll be a lot of changes. I think there'll be um, definitely changes on virtual. I think there'll definitely be changes in the streaming world, which is long overdue, to be honest. Um, I don't know broadcast will be affected or not just because a lot more people are listening to radio now in the day because they're you know they're at home yeah. and stuff and i mean from an internal point of view we don't need at the moment our offices are closed you know so people are now working from home and i think it's actually for some it's not great because they do have they do work better in the office but i think it's making employees a lot more happy and feel a lot well, more connected together yeah yeah we, we've myself and my wife have been talking about that we're expecting a baby and so oh, congratulations thank you very much and so you're you're automatically thinking about childcare, and when you're when you've got that conversation going on you're thinking well i don't you know all, all of this is just proof that you don't need to be in the office five days a week i think we've got to a point now where we're on the other side of it that actually yeah. We we kind of want a little bit more of that normal routine, uh, mm -hmm. but but it doesn't mean that you can't do a little bit of both. That it it, it adds a bit of flexibility in yeah. there, and it's it's not just about no, you have to be here at nine a.m. every morning. But, yeah, it's like I mean I've seen more people at PRS, and I've been at PRS like nearly six years now, and. I mean, you know my role. I, you know, look after the West of England. Um, so I'm technically a home worker all the time. Unless I'm out at events and meeting people and stuff like that, I don't need to be in the office. So I don't really get to meet a lot of staff at PRS. You know, I know some, but I don't know all. Mm -hmm. And I've actually met so many more people at PRS during this lockdown because of Zoom <laughs> than I have in the past five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we've, yeah, it, it's, it's going to become, well, I like to think that it's going to become a, a, the nice, on the nice side of the normal. Yeah. That, you know, we kind of go, you don't have to be there if you, if you don't want to, but you can if yeah. you do. You've been at PRS for six years. You just said, yeah. so um, talk me through some of the, the changes, the, the, what's happened in that six years that you've kind of seen that, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's been the big influential moments that's really, uh, other than COVID-19, that's really <laughs> shaped what you, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis with your role in working with, the, uh, with, with members? Oh, God. Um, I think there's been a huge change in um, diversity and inclusion. Obviously, that's the biggest thing. I mean, um, when I first started, I think in my second year, I remember doing an event and my team have always been 50-50, um, you know, female to male split. Um, we've always been try trying to have as many uh, people from the Black uh, Asian and ethnic minorities um, sitting on our panels as well. But now, you know, it's not just, I feel like it was talked about, but now everyone's talking about it. And it's not just talking about it, but people are starting to see, people are now acting on it. And I think that was always the thing that frustrated me when I first started was, okay, we're talking about it, but that's not really going to do anything. Mm -hmm. So we actually need to do stuff. 
to make a change because it's talking about it makes no sense. So that's been one of the biggest changes uh, for me. I've recently taken on another role outside of PRS um, with uh, Women in Control, which oh, was founded by Nadia. Yeah. yeah, by Nadia Khan. So I'm the community manager for for them as well. So yeah, diversity is a massive thing that I feel has changed and changed for the better. I feel when I first started, I was this very young, I can't remember how old I was. I think I was like 23, 24 uh, person. And it was it was so daunting. And I remember my boss sort of saying to me, right, uh, I lived in Bristol at the time, he's like, go make contacts. And I was like, oh, what do I do? I never really sort of stood up for myself when I got like sexism and stuff like that. And because I was so afraid of, I don't know, speaking out and stuff like that. But now I feel like people are talking about it a lot more and there is a lot more, there's a lot more action if someone calls someone out on it, which makes me feel like I'm a hundred times more confident than I was when I started and I will happily call someone out. Um, so that's been a big change. Streaming and downloading has been a massive change. Um, we do lots of presentations and colleges and unis, and one of the stats that we always say is, uh, you know, the percentage of where our money comes from. And I think now it's like 19% of it comes from online. And I think when I first started, that was 2 to 3%. So wow. that's taken a that's huge a shift. Significant leap significantly yeah so that's been a really big shift um as is it, well is it still something that you and the the guys at prs are still fighting to get songwriters the the kind of the credit the 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 percentages that they need because obviously i i look at it from from an external perspective from the from the kind of the mentoring from the teaching side of things yeah. And you, there's still that idea of of the, the labels getting the lion's share, the publishers and the songs are getting short shrift. And then whenever we're talking about that there should be more royalties going in there or what Spotify's doing, it's all pointed at record labels. It's never pointed at publishers. Yeah. Is, is, is there still, uh, you know, really hardcore negotiations going on there? Is there... Is there I guess hope for songwriters that that's going to change around or is it is it a much longer conversation than we than we think oh it's going to be a long conversation nothing ever is sorted <laughs> quickly in the music industry that's one the other thing i learned <laughs> um it will be a long conversation i'm really hopeful that it will change i think that i think especially during the pandemic people have realized how shit songwriters can I swear on this? Yeah, of course you can. Go for it. Okay, cool. <laughs> How, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and shit, songwriters are paid from streaming. And it's something that my team, we do bring up uh, wherever we are and say it's not, it's not a secret at all. But there are things you can do. You know, if you are your own label or you retain your master rights, you do get a bigger chunk of the money pie. And advise them on percentage splits when it comes to you know splitting songwriting credits and stuff like that i don't know it would have to be a conversation from the top about getting involved in campaigning but i know it's something that we're very keen very very pro is making sure our members and songwriters are paid fairly and what they should be paid and the way that they're paid at the moment I don't want to swear for just the sake of it, <laughs> but is is fucking shit, really? <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I think everyone can agree. Like, it's so ridiculous how much, how little the songwriter actually gets. It's a it's a really. I mean, I've been I've been talking about this with students a, a lot recently. That they're kind of that you know tr trying to get a debate going, get 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 a. a a conceptual conversation going about this side of stuff you know the posing the what ifs you know without without a song there's nothing yeah and mm -hmm. so you know who is who does hold the cards is it 
is it as simple as like what uh, Gamer did with YouTube all those years ago? If you don't, if you don't agree to what we want, you don't get, you don't get the rights, you don't get the license. Mm. Um, but I think we've we've got to a point now where the platforms are so imperative and important that it's kind of it's you're scared to to lose everything by trying to gain something back. And so it's a it's a fascinating thing to kind of voyeur from the outside yeah uh, and I can't even begin to imagine what it's like in conversations on the inside yeah it, it's not nice it's not a nice conversation to have but I do not ever lie I'm very quite honest and I think that's the best way to be and it's just it's just like yeah it's, it's rubbish but I'm very positive that it will change in the next few years, like couple of years, but it will take a lot of time to agree and to lobby and to campaign and stuff like that to ensure that the, you know, the songwriters are happy. Um, but yeah, I'm positive. I think, I'm, I, I do think it will change and it will change for the better and it should do. Yeah. And it should have done, it should have done a long time ago, to be honest, but. Yes. Uh, you, you said that you've had more applications or more uh, new members over the past however many months than you can remember in previous years. Yeah. Um, can you articulate a little bit about what you're seeing in those members? Are you seeing a different type of member, different type of songwriter appearing on the horizon? Is it, you know, are you seeing much more... Uh, you know, producer, writers get yeah, involved in this. Is is there a, you know, the, the demogra are the demographics changing? Is the PRS becoming more or less something that people want to get involved in? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I just, again, I just didn't think that people, the amount of joiners that I, I, yeah, it was just a bit, all a bit overwhelming for me. And I had loads of people contact me because, like, you know, I, do stuff like podcasts and interviews and things like that all the time and people just getting back to me off the back of it like oh I'm gonna I need to join I need to do this I need to do that and um it was all a bit manic because offices were shut and you have to send your application into the office so <laughs> that was another uh, uh, sort of hurdle to cross but I'd say a lot younger uh, you know that's normally the case but a lot younger people and uh, a lot more women, which is wonderful um, because, you know, our membership is skewed towards men, very much so. Um, a lot more um, solo songwriters or artists and producers and a lot more uh, grime and hip hop genre has come through as well, I think, uh, massively, which is amazing. Like, the talent is just in insane that's coming out of the UK at the moment um so yeah I think a lot more women a lot more from the grime hip-hop genre and a lot more solo uh writer producers have come through as well and I'm still bewildered as to why um maybe it's something that they just thought they would always need and I don't know, it's just all come as a bit of a, a realisation, a great realisation, because yeah. it's extra income for them, massively. Um, and I think, um, yeah, it, I think maybe people have sort of, maybe this might be my theory, but I feel like people have kind of, at this time in the year, people have been like, do you know what? With everything going on, I'm just going to do something I love and I've always wanted to do. And maybe that's the case. And I think that's so bloody wonderful mm -hmm. if people are being like, yeah, I had a message from a member who's like, oh, I've changed career in the last six months. I was like, oh, I that's wonderful. Like you've kind of decided to make that shift because why not? Like yeah, yeah. it makes you happy and it's something you've always wanted to do. Now is the opportunity. So maybe that's it. I don't know, but it's great to have all these new members, which means we've had to do a lot more events. Um, we're doing webinars every two weeks. Um, I've done 12 one-to-one -one days uh, in all different areas of the West of England. Um, I've 
feel like my voice is going to be completely gone by the end of 2020. Um, you have to record yeah. some stock answers to things. Hang <laughs> yeah. on, I've got, I've got a button for that one. Yeah, that, do you know what? that is such a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Are you seeing more, uh, is, is there more of an aptitude for you know, the, the DIY side of things, people that are doing all this stuff for themselves and that's yeah. taking precedence that there's, uh, you know, there, there's people signing up, staying themselves, maybe even being their own publishers as well? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's not just happened this year, but I saw a real shift the past two to three years of DIY approach. I think when... I first started, and um, especially when I studied music at uni, it was always like, um, you've got a record deal, you've made it. But that record deal could be really awful towards you. Do you know what I mean? But it was just something, there was some sort of glamour in taking a contract and say, oh, I'm signed. Do you know what I mean? But that, it couldn't, it might not have benefited that artist at the time. And do you know what in all honesty some people do email me about especially artists that i have relationships with will email me like oh someone's approached me and blah, blah, blah. can you look at my contract which i don't do because i can't read contracts but and i'll send them over to the mu but um i haven't had one of those for about two years now which is and when i talk to people like new artists like oh yeah i'm my own manager and my own, my own label. A lot of the time they don't realize they're their own publisher. Cause I think there's this thing that no one really knows what a publisher role does. Everyone will give you a yeah. different answer in the industry. So I have to sort of explain it. And I say, do you do that? And they're like, yeah, right. Okay, well you're publishing yourself kind of thing. You're self publishing your work. So, which is wonderful. And I think a lot more now uh, people are realizing that they can do it on their own. Obviously, it's a lot easier for a band to do it because you allocate different roles. You know, someone does promo, someone does this, someone does the PRS, someone does the PPL kind of side. Yeah. Where solo artists, that's a lot harder because you have to wear so many different hats. But people just do it now. People realize that there are so many tools out there to help them do it that they just get on with it. And yeah, the DIY shift is is massive and it's great. You know, I would, I'm not musically talented at all, but I think I am the most unorganized person, right? I am terribly unorganized. And for someone, even a band or an artist or a DJ to manage themselves, create, the, find the time to create, create awesome music, to have a social life, to self-publish themselves, to be their own record label, to be able to have time to go for a wee and eat something. <laughs> Props to them because I just, I can do it. Which is, yeah, so hats mm. off to anyone who does all of those roles themselves um, and still manages to stay sane. Why? Why the PRS? Was it something that you fell into? Was it something that you sought out? Was it just what was available at the time? Oh, do you know what? It, it's such a boring story, but I'll give it to you anyway. I never knew what I wanted to do. I was Who totally rubbed. Exactly. Who does? I, I still think they make pe uh, like kids, they're not really kids, but young adults choose their options too, too early anyway. But I just had no idea what to do. I was so rubbish at school, so rubbish. I the shortest attention span. I still do. I just was just never good at anything. And I, but I loved music. I lived. I grew up on the Isle of Wight, and um, very small, towny kind of retirement area. Uh, everyone knows everyone, and I was just always like, this isn't where I want to be. As much as I love it, like yeah. I'll go back and stuff. But we had two festivals there. We had Alouette Festival, which has now moved, but and then we had Alouette Festival. And my mum and dad took me when I was really young. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved having my ears ringing after, because in those days, 
parents didn't care about um, kids <laughs> hearing, hearing, you know, <laughs> just stand by the speaker and stay still. <laughs> and I just love that atmosphere of everyone's just so different. It's like this whole other world. And I just want to live here forever. Anyway, I was like, right, I just, I need to do something in music, but I'm not musically talented. I never was. I think I, I've had a few drum lessons and a few guitar lessons and that's been about it. And um, so I studied, I went, chose to study music and live event management at uni. I didn't have any other options. I just had one option. And I was like, well, if that doesn't work, I'm buggered. But it's going to work. And off to High Wycombe I went. I went to Buckley Uni, did my course there. Um, I learned about P P PRS and PPL and MPPS while I was there, but it never really occurred to me that that was a role. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think when people think music industry, it's manager, record label, tour manager, artist, band, do you know, all those kind of things. They don't think that there's a lot more out there. And then after uni, I was like, I don't want to move back to the Isle of Wight because there's nothing really there for my career. So I had a few friends that lived in Bristol. I'd never actually been to Bristol, but I moved to Bristol. <laughs> and I saw this job after a while, about maybe a year of living there. I saw this, my job come up. I said, I can do that. And I can do that really well. Uh, but on the actual like uh, job application, it asked for loads of stuff. And some of the stuff I didn't have like they asked for three years account management experience I was like what the hell is account management is that maths like I don't know what that means like and I was like right I'll just apply for it and so I applied for it and then I got an interview and I remember being like I still don't think that I can do this and I don't want to waste their time so I remember emailing HR and being like no 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 like I don't think I can do this don't think I can do this um if, if I'm going to waste your time, let me know. And they're like, come in anyway. Anyway, I went for my interview. I talked about karaoke in my interview. I just basically chewed their ear off for about an hour. My boss can uh, definitely vouch for me on that one. <laughs> and luckily, I was given a chance, which was wonderful. But everything on my job role was just stuff that I liked doing. Meeting new people, talking, as you can probably tell, um, going to events, putting on events, uh, my the whole role was music mm -hmm. meeting with artists and bands and labels and managers like it was just a dream and it has been a dream i love my job i yeah i do absolutely love my i've made some great friends great friends with artists bands managers great friends across the industry um yeah it's wicked so did you have a an aptitude for the the connection side of things did you you know you said that you like you always like meeting people and you put yourself out there you mentioned a, a bit earlier on that your your boss just said right go and make some make some contacts <laughs> what? so so is was that something that never really daunted you it was always you always like yeah all right I'm gonna do this it did daunt me um I used to hate public speaking really hate it but now I do it all the time and it's just second nature to me um I love I've always been social I'm not suited to an office which is why this job was very nice to me because I do like to talk I like to listen to music I like to have my dog around me so being in an office where everyone's head down on a keyboard and that's all you can hear is like my worst nightmare basically i used to work in a in a call center job and the actual place was a tin box it had no windows and it was just like being encaged in this phone call nightmare that i could have never escaped from and i was like i'm never going back to an office job i can't i can't do it um so yeah i guess meeting people was something i always wanted to do and it's new faces it means it's different every day everyone i speak to is different like today i've spoken to three different people and from that i've built really cool relationships and we've been messaging since and stuff like that and yeah the women in control stuff that i do the amount of amazing women that are on that platform that i'm now just like i am in and stuff and having coffee mornings with it's just like yay this is really fun <laughs> 
yeah, I, I think I always have. I think I've always just liked something new to hear people's stories, to see where they've come from, where mm -hmm. they're going, what they're doing, and I love that. What's your, what's the way that you approach that side of, of the business when you are, you know, because in your job role, the main thing that you're doing is interacting with creators and, mm -hmm. and publishers and those sorts of members. So are you actively out there seeking them out, going to things and, and reaching out to people or are you kind of more waiting for them to come to you and then taking the initiative? Uh, do you know what, it's a bit of both. I think majority is me going out there and doing it, but then opportunities will arrive, like doing stuff for BBC Intro Live a couple of weeks ago, and I had a few people message me about that, or, um, you know, I did a, a PRS workshop for the women in control community, and I've had loads of people talk to me about that and stuff like that. So a lot of it is me going out and being like, cause part of a role is to sort of, you know, talk to creators where they're at a certain level where they should join PRS. And I love that side because it's, it's not like A&R, but it is a little well, bit. What I was about to say is that, does that mean yeah. that you, you're, you're, you're doing a pseudo A&R uh, scouting? side of things is that you, you kind of got to keep keep an eye on what's going on in the southwest you're yeah, listening yeah. out for people you're making sure that you're uh that you're yeah that you see what's, what's what's going on and then it's up to you to reach out and go hey what are you up to yeah pretty Thank much you. and it will be through things uh that i use like promoters um i use stuff like bbc intro other local radio stations collectives i know in the area as well um, I will use festivals, um, like quite indie, smaller festivals. If I see someone or a collective or a band on a lot of those lineups and they're doing not just one festival, but they're doing a few, then it's like, oh, okay, come to me, my sweet <laughs> sort of thing. So yeah, <laughs> not quite like that. I don't start my emails off like that, but yeah, quite a lot of the time, <laughs> maybe I should, although I think I there's issues. Yeah, calls to HR. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of time it is, uh, you know, working with, using my own initiative as well. So, like, if I am in a uni and someone talks to me and saying, and they kind of hint the fact that they're doing quite well, I'll be like, okay, well, you need to, we'll talk, let's talk, you know, kind of thing. Um, and the whole main thing is just to help them with their PRS, because PRS, MCPS, and PBL, those three are so complicated. It took me ages to get my head wrapped around it at uni. Um, I feel like the music industry needs to stop doing abbreviations for organizations. It's getting too confusing for everyone. Um, and um, just to help them like get everything sorted, all that admin sorted, so they understand. And then I'm like, go forth, go and tour and now your prs is done and now you can earn money it's like you know that bit on austin powers oh blimey all right that's a that's a <laughs> in interesting reference but yeah go on dr evil uh is in the prison and austin powers r runs out and he's like go austin powers fly fly that's how i feel after i've helped someone with their prs i'm like fly fly <laughs> What's going on in the Southwest at the moment? What's exciting about music and the music industry in Bristol and the surrounding areas at the moment? Oh, there's so much, so much. I feel like, you know, Bristol and the Southwest is such a hub for it, especially Bristol. And I feel like, especially, you know, the uh, what was previous named as the Cosden Hall has become the Bristol Beacon, which is nicely refreshed. I feel like it's just had this wonderful refresh. Mm -hmm. um, and it's made this kind of little buzz, I think. I think there's a buzz going on. So I feel like when everything gets back to normal, there's just going to be this power. There's like going to be this like sh light shining out of the West because of it. Um, 
which is really, really cool. And I think I feel like there's going to be so much more music because I know that people have been collaborating together during lockdown, like even if it's over like Zoom and stuff like that. So I feel like it's just going to be this awesome mix of music. And Bristol is so well known for having so many different genres. And I feel like there's going to be this new genre that comes out of Bristol, which is going to encase all the genres somehow. Um, but yeah, it's really, really exciting. Um, and I think, I think generally everywhere, I think the industry is, it's got this little buzz at the moment. I think there's a lot more positivity now and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really positive for next year and I'm really excited because I feel like when everything gets back to normal and hopefully it does, mm -hmm. it's going to go mental, isn't it? Like imagine that first gig, imagine that first festival, imagine the staff Christmas party. <laughs> yes, there, there is going to be somewhat of a release at some point. <laughs> but yeah, it's super exciting and I miss it. Um, I miss uh, meeting people face to face and I miss going to gigs and I miss just bumping into everyone and people I know um and you know yeah bristol is just it's really big but it's actually quite small and there's just this wonderful music community in there and i can go to a gig and i can just see like so many people and i normally spend half my gig going oh hey hey this is wonderful it's your prs lady yeah that's me hello <laughs> <laughs> well um so so but based in bristol but obviously southwest is a much there's a much there's much more Mm -hmm. to the southwest than just bristol so is are you looking after like even that down into cornwall and those sorts of areas yeah. as well so are you seeing uh is, is has there been an uplift is is there some thriving little bubbles of things happening not necessarily oh, in the in the big urban urban hubs that, yeah i think bristol? i do i do all the way down to cornwall i do such a big area gloucester down there's some really Gloucester is one little bubble that is really good at the moment. Um, it always has been, but especially at the moment, um, down through Reading, Oxford, and all the way down to the south, uh, Portsmouth and across. Bournemouth is a good little bubble at the moment. And Exeter. Exeter has always been a good one, but I feel there's a lot of good artists, bands. And not just when I'm talking about these little bubbles, I'm not just talking about the creators as well i'm talking about the industry people as well yeah. there's some great people working in the industry like in like these kind of places some great labels great managers um and bits like that so i think and it's great because it was all very different in the southwest like you know all the genres are very different like down in cornwall you've kind of got all your folk and especially like sidmouth with the folk festival and stuff you've got all your folk down there and they're some of the nicest people ever, <laughs> so, so people. Um, and then I always think Exeter's quite indie, like kind of indie rock kind of thing. Bristol's just a mash of everything, which is wonderful. Um, and then I feel sometimes down in, I think Portsmouth is quite becoming quite punky um, and Southampton is as well. So yeah it's just there's so much going on and i don't think i realized how big the southwest was until i started enjoying it doing this job but it is so you had big. to move around all of it <laughs> yeah it was like four hours to get to cornwall four hours <laughs> thing I wanted to get you chatting about uh, you mentioned it a few times women in control yes uh, yeah talk to me what is it uh, how does it start what do you do yeah and so everything in between it's, do you know what? it's been a bit of a whirlwind um, so women in control was founded by Nadia Khan who's one of the nicest loveliest people I have met in the music industry I talk to her more than my mother and my boyfriend. I lit we literally voice know every five minutes. It's wonderful. Um, and she does a lot of campaigning. She released the Seat at the Round Table report, which is wonderful. And she has the very, she's so similar to me in, very, in a lot of ways. And she doesn't just want to talk about change, but make it as well. So like 
pull this stuff out and say, you know, like, this isn't good enough. Let's make some change. And um, she was doing some, like, uh, group sessions. And I attended the industry executive one. I didn't really know what I was kind of going into, but it was a wonderful conversation with loads of women uh, in the industry. And um, I just thought, this is wonderful. I've never spoken to this felt yeah spoken to this many wonderful women who have got all the same opinions of me and have gone through exactly the same things as me and I feel comfortable to say stuff now and I contacted her on LinkedIn afterwards and I was like it would be really cool if we could build a community platform where people can join and it's just almost like a mini Facebook you can IM people you can do events you can post things you can post like job opportunities, articles, all this kind of thing. And we have, you know, we can have this safe space. So if something happens to a woman who she might experience sexism or, you know, um, not being paid enough as her colleagues or sexual harassment, we can kind of be there and be that network that she can talk to. Because when I experienced that, when I was first died, I didn't tell anyone. Like, I was like, I don't want to get in trouble. I even though it wasn't my fault, but like, I didn't have that collective of women because I was on my own in Bristol. Like I didn't, my offices weren't there. So I didn't really have anyone to talk to. And so this is, yeah. so this, this, this is not a Bristol thing. This is no. a nationwide. Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's not music specific either. No, it's, no. It's woman specific. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've got male allies. So yeah, eventually, we, Nadia was like, I really wanted to build a platform. I really want you to help me. So we, we did it and spent months doing it and sleepless nights, whatever. And it's ready and it's done. And we've got over 250 members on there now. We've got uh, people from someone's like from Nigeria, Australia, France, all over the UK. And it's wonderful. And we do events. Um, we do posts. Um, my role is to community, so I'm a community manager. My role is to kind of help people interact and help people. And it's all about giving women a safe space, but a space to actually enhance their skills. So we do like workshops as well. Um, and to give them a platform to be able to speak, you know, and run their own sessions and run their own events because we don't want to do it all the time. You know, we've got our own jobs to do. We want it to be a point where everyone's running. It's kind of running itself. And we're, we've got a lockdown social tonight, which is really fun. We're going to start doing listening parties as well. And it's just, it's just so wonderful. And we've got male allies on there as well. They don't have access to all the space because we want to keep that specific to women. Um, but we want male allies to join because what's the point in having these conversations just to women? It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It's not constructive at all. Um, so we've got some fabulous uh, allies and Daniel Jones, who's also, I know you know him very well. He does my job in the office. He's one of our male allies, so that's great. Um, but yeah, it's wonderful. And it's free to join at the moment as well. Mm -hmm. And we've had one artist was like, said she wrote some feedback for us the other day. And she was like, I've been Zooming people on the platform that I haven't talked to ever before. And I'm having a studio session with someone that I've admired in the industry that I haven't ever worked with before, but I reached out on the platform and now it's happening. And that's what we want. That's what we want to happen, basically. So yeah, it's for creative people in the creative industries to come and network, to come and talk, to come and, um, join in events to have a platform, especially now, like we're posting as many job opportunities as we can at the moment, because we know some people are particularly made redundant on furlough and all that kind of jazz. Mm -hmm. So it's wonderful. I love it so much. And Nadia is just the most hardworking boss ass person I have ever met. And yeah, she's just incredible and inspiration, I think. Smash in. Um, so if people want to get in, involved or sign up to Women in Control, how do they do that? And also, lastly, to finish up with, uh, for those uh, emerging songwriters and publishers out there, 
what they sh what should they do uh, in order to reach out and get the ball rolling with the PRS? Cool. So I'll start with Maria and Charles because I can't do two. Right. <laughs> Melt. My brain started <laughs> melting then. Say it at um, the same time. Yeah. Um, so Women in Control, uh, definitely follow us on socials. Uh, so my Twitter is Claire Eleanor Ten on uh, Twitter, uh, and I think Claire Eleanor Twenty One on Instagram. And the Women in Control one is Women, but uh, with an X instead of an E, as well. So definitely follow that and Nadia as well, because that we put everything on there as, as we do on the platform. And if you just type in Women in Control into Google it will bring you up with the Women in Control website. And then there's a members area and you can join through that. Um, and yeah, it's free. You just set up your profile, put your picture on if you want, put your LinkedIn on, put a bit about you, all that kind of stuff. Um, or you can also email me, which is Claire with an I and an E, at womenincontrol.com if you've got any questions. That's done. So now the PRS side. <laughs> So yeah, if you want to get involved, um, if you want to talk about anything that I've spoken about today, or you're like, I have no idea what PRS, MCPS, or PPL is, or anything like that, or you just want a general natter, or just want to find out a bit more, or you've recently joined and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do next, then definitely again, follow me on socials, or you can email me at claire.rose at prsformusic.com. Um, or you can email us the outreach team as a whole, which is just outreach at prsmusic.com um, and just search on our website. Um, but I always encourage, especially the PRS, if you have a question, please, 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 please get in touch because it's just one of those things that you really must know about, like in the industry, it's kind of like the beating heart really. So. And yeah, again, if you just want a general natter or want to send me music as well, because I like listening to music, um, please send me an email. Amazing. Thank you so much for you chatting You are so welcome. I had such a good time. Sorry, I Don't swore. sound so surprised about <laughs> no, having fun. Oh, God, no. I, no, I, what, I'm not going to say, I had fun. It's <laughs> all right. Much appreciated. Massive thank you to Claire for taking the time to talk to me. Um, a slight peek behind the curtain, I did remove a small section where both of us went a little bit doolally. We had both been on Zoom quite a lot <laughs> that week and yes there was a few moments where we were kind of we needed to not be looking at a computer screen anymore so really really appreciate uh, Claire getting involved in the way that she has done if you want to reach out to Claire um, please do so via me email me at behind the business pod at gmail.com uh, reach out to me on Instagram at DM Champion, Twitter at Danny Champion, um, and yes, all the various other things, a few other things that she's mentioned in the podcast, I will link in the description below. Thank you as always for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon. <laughs>